Hello and welcome back to Basic Bible 102. I'm Margie Smith and this is the uh, fifth in the series on the life of Christ, the first part of the New Testament. Today's lesson, lesson five, is on the Sermon on the Mount. And we will be covering a little bit about how Jesus taught and the parables, the importance of the parables. And then this will begin a series of topics on the parables of Christ. And like I said, Basic Bible 101, kind of briefly over, in fact, I think we spent one session on all of the parables. This class will go into much more detail. In fact, hopefully we cover almost all of the parables. Not so much to explain them, but to introduce them to you and to show you the way that Jesus taught differently than the religious leaders at the time. Now, at the time, remember, the religious leaders were skeptical about Jesus. They did not think that he had any authority to be teaching spiritual truths. But mostly the religious leaders were just unhappy that Jesus tended to speak in such a way that it was very incriminating. In fact, it actually made the religious leaders look very guilty, and they didn't like that. Nobody likes that, really. But the truth is that these gentlemen should have been teaching people straight from from the old scriptures and in a humble way, and instead, most of them were very much... Um, enforcing laws even beyond the laws that are actually written in the Old Testament. So before we begin, if you will take just a few minutes and stop this uh, presentation and read uh, Matthew 5 through 7, you could also read Luke um, 6, 17 through 23, and you'll get the gist of quite a bit of what we're going to talk about today. And in that that very beginning of chapter 5 in Matthew, we see that Jesus begins to sit down with his disciples and teach them. Now, it's possible that there was a large group that came up the hill and listened also. So he may have had a much broader um, audience than just his disciples. But this is what it says right here. He began to teach his disciples up on the hill. And the the Sermon on the Mount is known because it became so wide spread. They talk so much about it. And then even today, it's there are tough lessons here. So I encourage you to go back and, and read all of that or listen to it if you want to listen to it on one of the many audio Bible apps that are out there. Okay, so Jesus begins his ministry up around his hometown. And pretty much people are kind of critical of Jesus, not so sure who he is. There's mixed reviews and in some cases just downright disbelief that this is Jesus, the Son of God, the, the, this Jesus is the Messiah. So he begins speaking on the hillside and he starts with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. So we see right away that Jesus is saying that those who mourn will be comforted. Those who are meek will be uh, raised up to inherit the earth. Those who are merciful will be given mercy. Those who seek peace 
will be called the sons of God. They're going to be the peacemakers. In in this section, the um, he he's not doing away with the Old Testament law. Um, he starts talking in verse thirteen about how you're salt and light, but if you lose your saltiness, then what are you good for? Just to be thrown on the ground. And if you're a light, and you're hidden under a a basket or a shade, then what good is that? Because no one can see the light. So shine in out into your world with your light and be salt. And it's one of the main callings to Christians is to be salt and light. All right. Uh, he begins in, in verse 17, and this is very important. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, under heaven and, and until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So what Jesus is saying here is, I'm not giving you any new laws. These are the same laws that have always been. It's just that this is what they meant. This is what God was trying to communicate to his people, to be salt and light, to be different from the people around them. And unfortunately, at this time, the uh, Jewish nation had become a lot like its neighbors. They had started uh, being infiltrated with even some of the idolatry type um, beliefs. And the, there were, of course, the Pharisees who kept trying to bring people back to the law. But their answer to this was to so make the law so difficult that people really couldn't obey the law. Um, and it became, and the Pharisees, yet they thought that they were the holy ones that were really obeying the law. What Jesus is saying here is that, no, you miss the whole point. The point of the law wasn't so that people would live every day by a very strict set of rules. It was so that their hearts would be changed. And then when they fulfilled the law, when they went about their normal daily activities, that it would be clear that they were a different people. And you can hear this when he says in verse 21, you've heard that it said, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. He goes on to say, even if you just say, you fool, you're in danger of the fires of hell. What Jesus is trying to show here is that the the law was written to give people a guideline to show uh, point them to God. And at the time, there was sacrifice that had to be made to forgive people's sins. And that was the uh, sacrifice of a lamb or a dove. There were different sacrifices for different offenses. And Jesus has come to be the final sacrifice. And he is showing them that, hey, none of, nobody's good enough. And you needed a savior. And so that is what he's saying here. Not so much that uh, the, the law, do not murder, is not valid anymore. Of course it is. It's just that it is also, uh, the spirit of the law was intended to have you not even have a heart that would want to murder someone, that you wouldn't even want to curse someone, that adultery would be even looking at a woman, not just sleeping with her, that divorce was um, just, give, you know, the, the time they just thought they could write out a certificate of divorce. And he's saying, Unless that person commits adultery, you should not divorce. These are hard sayings. They're hard sayings even today. And there's a lot more to all of these different, um, the eye for an eye, it, the Old Testament said, 
eye for an eye and tooth for the tooth. I'm sure you've heard that. But Jesus says, um, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. These were hard laws for the people to uh, take and understand. And yet they could only be accomplished. Well, actually, we can't accomplish them. The, the simple truth is that most of these requirements that Jesus is preaching about are things that can only be done with the, the spirit within you and with and because we fail so often, Jesus would be our Savior to forgive the sin and, and allow us to start fresh. You know, His mercies are new every morning. All right, so the first thing we see is that, um, and let me ask, why, was G- the, why were these people even following Jesus to begin with? And they're hearing these things, and of course in the Beatitudes, there's a certain amount that says, well, you know, I, I do mourn. I am poor in spirit. I do, um, I am a, a peacemaker. And yet, and Jesus is giving them their kudos for being uh, kind, for being the people that they were, even if they couldn't keep the law, even if they failed to keep all the law of the Pharisees. But he's not excusing anybody. He's simply saying, I understand that it's been hard to keep the law and you've done the best you could. The Pharisees, on the other hand, are not happy at all by Jesus' teachings. They, he, they think he is excusing them. He's, he's a sinner excusing other sinners. And the truth is Jesus was not a sinner, not committed not one sin. And so he was the perfect sacrifice. All right, so the people are following Jesus because they like his um, stories. That's, that's always entertaining. You know, it's kind of the... Great preachers in the old-time revivals, people were entertained. But there was also another component to it. They felt like Jesus understood them. And some, of course, just came because Jesus managed to provide food. And and they found a level of acceptance here that they did not feel from the religious leaders at the time. All right, so then we, we go on to see that people are reacting to his words as you know, boy, that's a tough saying. Now you say that even if I curse my brother, I'm guilty of murdering him. So there was a certain amount of kickback. And some of the people at the time were probably, oh, I I just don't know if this, what Jesus is saying is something I can live up to. And hopefully they eventually understood when he did die on the cross, that that was the whole point. They couldn't live up to obeying the law. All right, when Jesus talked about all the different things that um, the people were familiar with, you know, uh, they worried, they, they, um, it's the part about loving your enemies, uh, that their enemies was Rome, with the, the uh, centurions who would require them to do, um, basically to become slaves for a short time, like a, any Roman soldier could go up to a Jew and say, I want you to carry my backpack for the next mile. Now, they were restricted in that the soldiers were only allowed to make them carry the pack for one mile. And yet Jesus says to them, if someone makes you carry a, uh, their, their pack for one mile, carry it for two. If someone hits you on one cheek, which it was not unusual for the soldiers to rough them up, then turn the other cheek. He's not promoting fighting. And that is what gets some of his, what is certainly at least one, we know Judas, was a little bit irritated that Jesus wasn't planning on rising up against Rome. 
His was never a political cause. It was a spiritual cause. Um, he talked in, in chapter 6 of Matthew about giving to the, the needy and prayer. Not to do such things so that people see you and admire what you're doing. And, and that's what the Pharisees would do. They would stand on the pr- corners and pray and um, make it very obvious when they gave any money. And But Jesus is saying, do these things in secret. Don't even let your right hand know that your left hand is giving anything. Because he does not want people to do things for show. He wants it to be a matter of the heart. And he says that God, who sees your secret acts, will reward you in heaven. Um, he warns people to set up, uh, lay up treasures in heaven, not to uh, gather up things here on this earth. And that is extremely difficult. Anyone who lives in a modern society today, uh, probably in, even back then, has a tendency to want to gather things for their own blessing, for their own convenience. And we live in a society, uh, a world where it's very easy to be, um, just the fact that you're listening to this means that you have some sort of access to the internet and the internet has changed so many lives, but it also allows us to acquire so much knowledge, so many, um, things, you know, you can order things on Amazon and have them in a day. And so, so Jesus is saying, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Don't spend your time trying to gather as much as you can to be, to live a comfortable life here on this earth, because this earth is temporary. Our home is in heaven. He talks about in uh, Matthew 7, not judging others. This is a particularly difficult one for me. Because it's so easy to ascribe intentions to people and to say, well, they're only doing that because the, the act of judging others, either their motivations or, or what they do or what they um, say, that is, even that, it, Jesus warns, by the same way you judge someone, you will be judged. And that's a hard saying because I don't want to be judged by what people infer are my intentions or by what I say or by what I do, I want, I, the only judge I want is Judge Jesus, God. So that's what he's saying here. If you, you, you know, you have no right to judge others. So, you know, you, you say to them, hey, there's a little speck in your eye. Let me help you get it out. And instead, there's a big old plank in your own eye. So we have to ask ourselves, is anybody perfect? No. No one is perfect. That is why we needed a savior. Even the best people will tell you, I'm not perfect. And that is, that is humility. All right. Um, but yet Jesus says, you need to be perfect. And perfection could only be through, through a savior who, who could forgive us of all of those sins and help us to be perfect, more perfect, until we get to heaven when we will be perfect. If you had a chance to work on your homework lesson on Lesson 5, you'll notice uh, one of the questions is, what unlawful acts did Jesus and his disciples commit? And the uh, religious leaders were quite sure that Jesus wasn't supposed to be uh, healing people on the Sabbath, which was one of the things Jesus did. He was not supposed to be walking through fields and picking up some bits of grain that they would then chew on. And so they accused Jesus of all kinds of unlawful actions. 
And what Jesus was trying to tell them was, you know, you're getting so nitpicky over these little things, but that's not what the law was intended to do. What what they were saying is that Jesus wasn't keeping the law of the Sabbath. And the law of the Sabbath was primarily you weren't supposed to do any work or do uh, go very far or anything that took away from your worship, time of worship. These accusations are eventually what will get Jesus killed. They, that's what they will use as their uh, accusation for disobeying the law. And, and instead, Jesus is telling them, you've got the law all wrong. Um, in chapter 6 of Luke, we see that one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. He picks up some grain, just like I mentioned. And he, he, the, they're accusing him. What do you mean you're picking out little bits of grain? And Jesus used this example of David in the Old Testament, where David's men are hungry, so they go and take the offering, the bread that had been on the offering table, and they eat it. And so he is showing them that that. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, not not your laws. And they don't like this. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those who were in charge of the law don't like the fact that Jesus is rewriting the law. Okay, um, he's warning them that uh, you, you who are rich, well-fed, content, and popular, uh, that self-confidence is not going to get you into heaven. That, that you are going to have to realize that you are just as wretched as these simple people that you are criticizing. Okay, so they did not like Jesus' approach to spiritual, spirituality. Um, do you think this sounds like people you know where, where we say, I don't need to be judged by anybody, which is true, and it is very common for Christians to come across as being judgmental. That's not the intent. The intent is to say, whatever good you think you've done in your life, it's not good enough. And that is what separates Christians from non-Christians. Christians know, I know I'm not good enough and I need a Savior. Non-Christians are far more likely to say, I'll figure it out on my own. Some people get so upset with Jesus preaching and teaching that they kind of get a little lynch, lynch mob together and they they want to throw Jesus off a cliff and he just magically manages to get through them as though they don't even see them and walks away. You know, until Jesus laid down his life, he could not be killed. And once he laid down his life, nothing could save him. That was the way, the c- control that Jesus had over his sacrifice for us. All right, if you read Luke 4, 14 through 44, that's the story where he's facing the hostilities. And it really doesn't deter Jesus, but it gives a lot of his disciples a little bit of pause. At the end of chapter 4 in Luke, we see the story of how, this is in verse 31. In fact, I'll read this part. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, on the Sabbath that began to teach the people. And they were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon. Okay, let's stop here for a second. In the synagogue, if you are religious, you would think you can't even, you know, I've heard people say, oh, I'm sure that lightning would strike if I got went through the doors of the church. We have a tendency to think holiness comes with the place where you're in. And we see very much here that the synagogue, 
was had this man who was filled with an evil spirit. He cries out the top of his voice, Ha, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. All right, if even the demon recognized Jesus as the Messiah and speaks out of this man, Jesus says to him, Be quiet, come out of him. And the demon threw the man down before them, and they all came out and without injuring the man. So all the people are amazed at this. And they say, What is this teaching with authority and power? He gives he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. So Jesus is healing people, he's casting out demons, and he's teaching a very different message than what people are used to. The Sermon on the Mount, we start with that one because it was the beginning of the the controversy over Jesus, but also because he covers so many different aspects of human behavior in showing that we need a Savior, we need salvation. And once we get into some of the future uh, lessons, which apply, you know, how we live our lives, we will begin to see that Jesus isn't just giving us a new set of laws. He's giving us a new way to look at laws, a new way to look at life. And remember what I said a couple weeks ago about the Spirit interpreting those laws for you, the Spirit um, needing the, the Holy Spirit to guide you? This is where some of that comes to play. All right, the other thing is when you interpret Scripture, they can be interpreted many ways. And we will talk about that in our next lesson, because lesson six is on interpreting the parables. So at this point, you're just getting an introduction to the way Jesus teaches, and then we will begin to say, well, what did he actually say about specific things? And as we study those, you will see that Jesus took a much broader uh, stroke, a, a different approach than what the uh, religious leaders were teaching at the time. All right, so hopefully you've had a chance to uh, get your workbook and you are working on your homework and listening to the podcast uh, as supplement and then that you are reading this passages. For next week, you're going to be reading more of Matthew, more of Mark, more of Luke. Uh, We haven't got back into John yet, but we will. And in in the lessons ahead, we are going to be uh, understanding Um, what made Jesus so different than just any other teacher? Because plenty of people say Jesus was just a good teacher. And it's true, his, his teachings were very good, but that wasn't all. There was a point behind all of it, and that was that he would become the sacrifice so that we could do all the things that Jesus said we, we must do. All right. Thanks for your patience with me and with um, this study. And I encourage you to keep going. Um, And until next time, be blessed.